Every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. You would have sent it. Praise the Lord Jesus. Okay, let's pray quickly and I'll go into the Word of God. Lord, we honor you today. Thank you deeply. We thank you so deeply for your love towards mankind. Thank you for your immense love, unending love, unrepentant love that you have for us. I thank you for choosing me today and for the privilege to stand before your people. I pray that everyone present is blessed by your word. We pray that you instruct us in your righteousness. We pray that you lead us on the path of truth and we pray that your presence overshadows this atmosphere this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah 46 verse 10. Isaiah 46 verse 10. The scripture says, I declare the end from the beginning. Please take me to B flat. Are we there? Hallelujah. I declare the end from the beginning. The ancient times from what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and my good pleasure I will accomplish. Isaiah 41 verse 4. Who has performed this and carried it out? Calling forth generations from the beginning. I the Lord, the first and the last. I am he. Isaiah 25 verse 1. Oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have worked wonders. Planned, formed long ago in perfect faithfulness. You have worked wonders. Plans formed long ago in perfect faithfulness. Hallelujah. These three scriptures I have read to you should suggest to you or let you know that God is never caught unawares. There's nothing happening in the world today that is shocking to God or that he is not prepared for. Whatever it is that you hear about, whatever it is that you see, is it the global warming or the pandemic? Is it the decadence that we now see? Is it the war? Is it the sickness, sophisticated sicknesses of all kinds? None of them has come to God as a shock. He is not caught unawares. He's not unprepared. Let's look at what happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and their eyes opened and they discovered that they were naked. You remember that scripture in Genesis? So the devil came and had a conversation with Eve when her husband was away from home, so to speak, working. He said, is it true? 
He said, did God tell you not to eat any fruit whatsoever in the garden? Look at that kind of a question. Did God tell you not to eat any fruit, anything whatsoever in the garden? Making suggestions to Eve so that a conversation can start. So that a conversation can be prolonged. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Because this is not what God said. And I'm sure that this serpent of a guy or this guy of a serpent, he knows. Because if you have to tell her that God said you should not eat of any of the fruits, nothing. So are they fasting? They have to live on water. Do you understand? And so Eve decided to defend God and say, oh, no, 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 no. And it's not like that. Too. That's not actually what God said. He said that we can eat freely of all the trees except and so the devil said, oh, do you now believe that? To cut the story short, the the woman ate the fruit and gave to her husband. That part is dark. We cannot really understand how she did it. And it's something we argue about all the time, me and Pastor. You two, why did you collect it? You two, why did you give us? You two, why did you collect it? Why didn't you say no? Who brought it? Who did this? We argue all the time. But now they are both naked. The deed has been done. Now what did God do? God was not unprepared. He wasn't shocked. He wasn't, you know, he didn't find himself in a fix. We didn't hear God calling on the, on, um, the other members of the Trinity. That wala day, it don't happen. He didn't call, we didn't hear him calling on the angels that begin to brainstorm. Begin to brainstorm. Michael, Gabriel, all of you, call your people. You team leads, call your members. Begin to ask them questions. We need to come up with a solution. There was nothing like that. He simply took a step. The Bible says, God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Why? Because nothing comes to him as a shock. He has a plan. He has a plan for everything. He has a plan in everything. And I want to bring this home. I want you to quickly think about the way the journey of your life is going. If you feel God has abandoned you or he doesn't remember you or he has left you or you have needed his help for so long and you have not received it and it's beginning to feel like maybe he doesn't know what he will do to help you or he doesn't know how to go about helping you. Hallelujah. Or he doesn't know how to go about helping you. It is not true. He always has a plan. Praise God. So do not fret in the face of life's challenges. Challenges will come, but they will go. Amen. When it looks like this is the end, it is not. Because when there is life, there is hope. Don't give up. Don't give in to worry. Because God is aware and he's writing something beautiful. Like a skillful scribe, he's writing something really, really beautiful with your life. Hallelujah. Can you say, I have peace in times of trouble? Say it loud and clear. I have peace in times of trouble. I have tranquility in turbulence. 
I have hope in despair because God is aware and he can fix it. So God is aware of my situation and he can fix it. God is aware of it all and he can fix it. I deal with a lot of people who are troubled. I, I, I get the opportunity to speak with many people, you know, at the low, low, when they are at the low help of their lives. And I often say to them, when they are strong enough to take it, that don't waste your pain. There is something in it for you. There is something that you can give to your world, despite that pain, in spite of that pain. In fact, your pain may be what will propel you in your life's journey. It may be what will give you a voice. There is somebody that can learn from what you are going through. There is somebody that can be blessed by it. In fact, there are people that you can help simply because you went through troubles in the past and you stayed through. You stayed through and God brought you out of it. Last year was the toughest year of my life. I cannot tell you the stories. I cannot tell you what I went through last year. As in, I can't. There are some of it that I will never, ever speak about. I cried more. Last year, I cried more than all the tears I've, I, I cried in the past decade combined. There was so much pain. But as I sought the face of God, because I have nowhere else to go, I took my pains to him. I took my errors to him. My mistakes to him. I was able to put together a book, Joyful Promises, writing out the scriptures that God used to comfort me in my pains. And that is the first devotional that I published. The reviews, the feedback I've gotten from that work is mind-blowing. I can't even share. Don't waste your pain. So what do you want to show at the end? What do you want to show at the end? Assuming you waited on God for children for eight years. So what do you want to say at the end of that eight years? If you let it waste, if all you did was cry. What do you want to say at the end of that ten years? You looked for a job for five years after service before you eventually got one. Okay, what do you have to say to somebody who is going through what you have gone through if you don't maximize that period of your life? Do you understand what I'm saying? So when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, God already had a plan. Revelations 13, 8, Christ was referred to as the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. Man fell. And of course, the lamb was slain from the foundations of the earth. Because a way has been made. A way has been made already. Praise God. Does that mean we should continue in sin? Does that mean we should live our lives, you know, just anyhow, especially as Christians? Saying that God has, already, God has a plan. Everything, anyhow, anyhow. There's a plan at the end of it. Something will come out of it. This sin that I'm about to sin now, it will end in testimony. Is that how we should live our lives? Sin has consequences. And Christians that play with sin, they don't seem to understand that they are different, they are separated, they are anointed. 
and they, they, they are a threat to the devil. One born again Christian can bring ten, can bring a hundred, a thousand. We have read about men that you know in their ministries during their lifetimes, they have brought hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. A Christian is not an ordinary person. So you cannot live your life like an ordinary person. So because of that, let me just quickly run through the consequences of sin. And then we'll go back to the Easter message. Because I don't want you playing around. I don't want you playing around with sin. Because, um, you know, grace, grace will abound. Praise the Lord Jesus. Sin strips a person naked. Naked means to be without glory. Sin strips a person of his glory. The Bible says that all have sinned. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that, that came by Christ Jesus. So anyone who is in sin has no glory. Anyone who is in sin is living in darkness. Praise God. Sin, sin will disgrace you. I hope you know that sin can, yeah, yeah, sin can disgrace a person. Praise the Lord. And I often say to people, you know, there are so many troubles that we go through. There are so many problems that we, we actually bring upon ourselves because we refuse to stay away from sin. We refuse to live our lives by the standard that God laid down for us as Christians. Do not steal. Very simple instruction. Do not steal. Like, is that not simple enough? Even little children that don't know what it means to be born again yet, we will discipline them harshly if we discover that they have started stealing. How can I open a tin of milk, 2,500 naira, pick refill, on Sunday, and it will finish on Tuesday. I gathered my children around about me. Oh yeah, confess. It's not me, it's, I took one teaspoon, I used a small spoon to take my own. Okay, you, answer. Me, I don't even like milk. It, it, it's just that, you know that spoon that we say, how did this finish? Except I get forensic accountants. Or maybe CID or something. Because still now, no explanation. But sin has consequences. So now I keep my milk in my room. You people, you use your cowbell chocolate. They don't like it. I know they don't like it. But how will you finish the milk? Praise God. Sin has consequences. Even little children are paying. Not to talk of you adults. Do not steal. Yet some people, they decided to start yahoo yahoo. Don't covet what is your neighbor's. God is your sufficiency. He will meet all your needs. No, yahoo plus. Now you have to tie tortoise to your chest to be pressing computer. Live tortoise. Because you want to lie to somebody in Germany that even you, you are in the U.S., you have to change your phone number every month. And every knock on your door, your heart skips seven beats. 
simply because we don't want to follow what God has told us to do. Do not fornicate. Can we visit that one? We should. Do not commit adultery. Praise God. I don't know how people even have deliver. Like, you, you, you don't know about STDs. You don't know about HIV. Even if you don't fear God, won't you fear the devil? No, seriously, David was in such a situation. He had sinned against God. And God said, oh yeah, decide now your own fate. Me, I should deal with you. Or I should hand you over to Satan. Do you remember? He said, let me fall into the hand of God. You can see. He feared devil. He said, let me fall into the hand of God. Because God is merciful. Maybe if I fast, if I pray, I will plead. He may forgive me. But that devil of a devil. Now only God, I won't hear. Can't you see how he dealt with Job? What did God say? Well, I, I, what did God say to this, to this fellow? That, okay, oh, Job, my servant, is very upright of all the men. <laughs> he said, it's because you are protecting him. God said to the devil, oh yeah, try him. Don't take his life. Sincerely, the first time I read the story of Job, I was disturbed. That was how I got to know that the devil is a wicked devil. Because if I were Job, I cannot be consoled. My 10 children died. So I now have 10 more children. So I would have had 20 children. I would not be consoled at all. This guy, the devil dealt with him, killed everything, took everything. His health gave him boils. When his friends came to visit him, when they heard about the calamity that had befallen him, do you know that they came and they cried for seven days? They didn't say a word. Do you know? Those people are very dramatic. Quite all right. Why are we crying for seven days? They sat in ashes. All his friends crying and wailing for seven days. Seven days and seven nights. It was such a calamity. That is what the devil can do to a man. And God wants to protect you. But you don't want to be protected because you, you want to feel life. I don't really know what people are looking for. Actually. So God is protecting you. But by your own self, you allow the devil into your life. And this guy, very wicked. He says, this might be my last chance. All your friends have been doing hookup, no problem. All the hookup people around you, they've been going and coming, buying wig. No problem. Wig that people that are working cannot buy. They are buying, no problem. The day you try it like this, you are pregnant. You go to the hospital, it's twins. And as the devil we have it, you will not have any symptoms until you are like 18 weeks gone. The doctor will say congratulations. You are only 19 years old. You are in 200 level. Where do you want to start from? <laughs> Can you see that you shouldn't play with sin? Because this devil, you know, I'm, what, I'm telling you, Abby. Let me quickly tell you a story that I read just yesterday. Some of you might have read it on Instagram. Now, I will just try to narrate it because I'm still in shock. I'm in shock. And if I say Gen Z now, it will be as if I've started. 
Because everything to me is Gen Z. You say your best friend as a, as a boyfriend. And that boyfriend, when it comes to visits, when you people were on campus, you will be the one to cook for him. Yes, to cook. So the guy, you now notice that the guy likes your egusi soup. And so you will cook for him. Of course, the friend, your friend too knows. All of you will eat it together and like that, like that, like that. You people finish school. After school and all, a little time passed, this guy came to pay the dowry of his girlfriend. Okay? And they moved in together. So I don't think they've done court wedding according to the way she said the story or the white wedding. But they have done the traditional rites. And they are living together as husband and wife. Because after the traditional rites, they are allowed. So, your best friend's husband will go to work and come to your house after work. You too, you will cook a goosey soup and serve him. It's coming like that every day until mistakenly you are pregnant. Mm -hmm. hey, hey. Yes, mistakenly. I'm telling you what I read. Now you are mistakenly pregnant. You told him. The guy said, don't worry. Keep the pregnancy. You are keeping it. You are keeping it. You are cooking a goosey soup. He now said, what he's going to do is that he's going to send you abroad to go and have that baby abroad. That this thing that you people got is not ending anytime soon. You believed him. You continue to cook a goosey soup. Now, when, you were, when the pregnancy was now six months gone, do you know the meaning of six months gone? Like you are like now stepping into the third trimester. At this point, if you have a premature birth, the doctors can actually save the child. So, you now brought up the argument again. That, ah, this is our brother. You say you will send me. You have not sent me. And the guy now said, you know what? If you want to remove the baby, go and remove it. Because you told him that, hey, after all, even your wife is not pregnant for you. Why don't you come and do what is right with my people? And I will become your wife. The guy now said, if you want to remove the pregnancy, go and remove it. <laughs> I laugh. A 25-year-old girl. Can I say Gen Z now? I read the story. The first thing, when I read the part where he said, he said, I will go and give birth abroad. I just laughed. Who will now be cooking a goosey soup? That was what came to my mind. You are going nowhere. Why will you simply not sin? Like, why will you simply, why won't you just have sense? Okay, if you now want to sin, why with your husband's best friend? And what sort of man, what sort of baboon, what sort of animal is that guy. I mean, is there, is, there, is, there, is there not a level below which you shouldn't stoop? As if you are stooping low, or you get to one level. Won't you say this low is getting too low for a human being? So you went to pay the bride price of one person. After work, you branch in another person's house. Oh, God. 
See, maybe God should come and wrap everything up quickly so that we can be going. Why? This world is not my own. I'm just a passing through. What do you want to be doing here? You want to marry? No, 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 no. We will still marry Jesus. Jesus is going to marry us. Uh, you've not read about the, the marriage supper. The, uh -uh. Hey, God. Can you see why you must take clear of sin? Because the devil can use a simple thing to mess up your life. How will God help you now in this situation? What? How will God help you? Sin strips a person of strength. I'm moving on. The first thing I said is sin strips people um, naked. It strips them of glory. The next one is sin strips a person of strength. And I'm going to be using Samson to illustrate this point. In the book of Judges, 13, 14, 15, and 16. That's chapters 13 to 16. The story of, of Samson was captured. This guy was so loved by the Lord. Oh, he was so loved by the Lord. I don't know if you have gone through his story in recent time. God will do anything he asked. God would give him anything. I mean, the strength that he had was for service. The Israelites had been in servitude, you know, and God sent him specially to release the Israelites from the captivity of the Philistines. But this guy, he was just too all about himself. In as much as he judged Israel for 20 years before he died, do you know that I couldn't find the story of something he did for Israel? There was no story that, okay, oh, this particular thing that he did, oh, when he lifted the gate, so when he killed the lion, no, nothing was for the people of God. It was all because of himself. Because he wants to go there, they tried to stop him. Because he wants to marry, they tried to stop him. Because he married, they didn't give him his wife back. He will fight, kill everybody. By the time he will even be singing his own praises, that yes, he has now killed a thousand men, with the jawbone of uh, what's the animal? I don't get. You have killed a thousand. Okay, to what end? What sort of life is that? Why won't you face your assignment as a person? And I'm talking to you too. Why won't you face the serious things, the tangible things that God has impressed upon your heart? Why will you use your eloquence to be chasing women? Why? Why won't you use it to preach the gospel, to, to edify people? Why won't you start a podcast? Something to encourage people. Something to add to people's lives. Why are you toasting 15 girls at the same time? How do you even have the time? One guy was talking to one girl for three hours every night. And it's not only that girl. So you talk to one for three hours... 
Maybe there is even a timetable. What is wrong with you? Are you living like Samson? He was supposed to save the Israelites from the Philistines. But he died with the Philistines. Left the Israelites there. In bondage. He had the power. He had the ability. He had the anointing. He would pray to God for help. When he looks like something that he cannot do, he will call on God that God should help him. God loved him so much. God pampered him so much. He will, God will still do it for him. Have you read the story? It's all about women. He married one woman. Hey, his father says he should not marry. He go there and marry he another woman, a prostitute. Ah, brother Samson. No. Is he not paining you? There were people that the Bible recorded their stories in two verses, three verses, and you could see what they did. That Josiah was king over Israel. He became king at this age. He ruled for so, 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 and he served the Lord. You could see value in their lives. Four chapters, brother Samson, his guests of different colors, different shapes, different tribes. An angel appeared to his mother very powerful woman. She had been barren. An angel appeared to her and promised her that God said, I should, you know, you are going to have a son. No razor must touch his head. He's going to deliver the children of a child of prophecy and a child of promise. When the woman narrated the story to her husband, the husband said, eh? You know, as at that time, it was like God had left Israel to their enemies. They had sinned against God. God was not sending them again. The husband of that woman now went to beg God that please send that thing. My wife said this. Send us that person again. I want to understand. God did not vex. God heard his, his prayers. Still sent the angel back. When the angel came back, he appeared unto the wife again. The woman said, wait. She ran to go and call her husband. The husband came with her. The angel was still waiting. The father of John the Baptist, what's his name? Brother Dara. Fantastic. What did he say to the angel of God before he became dumb? How many questions did he ask? What did he do? What, did he even speak to the angel? He just doubted small. God said, very good. You will not talk again. But here was this man. Begged God, send the angel back. I know you sent him before. When the angel came, he began to question the angel. Tell, he, up to this point, tell me, up to the point of saying, tell me how we will now raise this boy. He said, I have told your wife everything. She must not drink wine. She must not drink anything alcoholic. You know, and when the baby comes, don't cut. He said, he went over everything again. They said, what is your name? He said, I cannot tell you my name because you will not even understand if I say it. He said, okay, let us cook for you. So thank you for coming to us. He said, I will not cook, but you can offer a burnt offering to God. They offered a burnt offering to God, and God accepted their offering. And in the flames of the offering that they, they made, the man disappeared in the flames as the flames was going up. Such, such a sign. Are you feeling me? As the flames was going up, the, the, the man was caught up in the flames and he ascended to heaven. Look at the story of how Samson came. 
but I don't know whether it's arrogance. You know that me, 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 it's all about me. I'm the only one. No other person is important. My voice must, I must do what I want. Nobody can stop it. His parents said, why must you marry from that place? No, none of your cousins, none of the people of God, why from that place that God has already warned us? He didn't agree. They had to follow him to go and collect the wife. Hi. So you can see what sin, living in sin, can do. The Bible talks about one time, ah, let me leave that guy because some of you are living in sin. Thinking that, you know, your talents, they will continue to help you. That this talent is not going anywhere. God will not repent. But there's something called essence. And there's something called, you know, carrying the presence of God. There is the anointing. These things are sensitive to your way of life. So if you get away with it today, you get away with it tomorrow. Even if the devil does not catch you, one day in five years' time, you will just wake up and realize that you used to carry something more tangible than this. But now you feel so light. May the glory not depart from us in Jesus' name. Sin strips a person of his glorious destiny. Sin strips a person of his glorious destiny. I'm going to take reference from the life of the children of Heli. These are serious issues, but very relatable to the life that we live now. Ah, it's quite a long scripture. Should I read it or should I just tell a story? I should just story, make it story style, all right? The Bible says that the children of Eli showed contempt to the offerings that people brought to God. And so when people come to offer their offerings, the way it is done is that the offering is made, it is you know, it's burnt offering. Then after that, a part belongs to the priest. These people, the Bible says that their inheritance is the Lord. So it is their right. So they will put a spoon, so to speak, into, say, the pot where the offering was made. And whatever they bring out is theirs. That was the culture. That was the rule that God laid down, that God gave Moses and that Israel followed. When it became the turn of the sons of Eli, as soon as you come with your goat like this, they are waiting. Give us two laps. And the people that came to offer to God, they know the rules. They will say, no, now, let us just, you know, they will say, you better give us in fact, for that thing that you said, make it fall. And if you refuse to do it, everywhere we scatter. Olokpa, we pack everybody. And so they stopped people from even making sacrifices to God. They stopped people from doing what, I mean, the, the height of it. And this is the lineage of the priest. God already, they, they were already in line to take over the priesthood. What an honor that God bestowed upon them. What a privilege. 
God was so vexed. God was so vexed. He was angry with them and also angry with their father. In the message that he sent another prophet to go and give to their father. That I'm angry with you and I'm angry with your children. I'm angry with you because you cannot train them. I'm angry with you because you see them behaving like hooligans. And you cannot call them to order. You cannot chase them away from the temple and say, don't ever come here again if you, if you don't make your path straight. You allowed them to continue to behave like that. And are there people that behave like that even now? You will be so shocked that there are people who steal church offerings. Treating what belongs to the Lord with contempt. You'll be shocked that there are people who inflate prices for church. We went to see a pastor friend and he began to gist us, a, a senior pastor. You know, they've been in the ministry for decades. We have mentors like that that God has given us favor before them. And so they tell us things. This man said at one point, church offering will now be like 600. Ah, it cannot be that bad. He will come again, preach a message on giving. You have to sow, you have to sow. The offering will still be 550. After a while, he just, he just realized that, no, something is not right. So he got some dollars. He got um, the highest denomination then in Naira. Maybe I think it was 500. He got them. And he took some offering envelopes home a week before. He had already arranged the money such that, you know, the Naira notes alone, they were going to 10,000. Then the, the dollars too were there. He found a way to drop it. Then he told another pastor, one of his pastors. And so that one had half of the envelopes, some of the envelopes. His wife had some of the envelopes and then he too had some of the envelopes. So, during offering, they all dropped that money. At least we, between us, we know what we have dropped. Now, another pastor, he told that one too what was happening. These are people that he trusted with his life. So that one, as soon as he came to the church that morning, he greeted everybody and ran to the pastor's office to go and hide under the table. Because that's where offering is usually counted. So he stayed under pastor's table in the office all through the service. When the offering was collected, the, the head usher, praise God, it's not our head usher, amen. The head usher, you know, carried all the envelopes, everything, everything. And like two other people were supposed to be with him. And then he will now quickly tell them, excuse me, excuse me, run to Kiniko, Kiniko, you two, quickly, quickly go to. They will think that they are really running errands for the Lord and doing the work of the Lord. Those ones who run, yes, sir, we are going, sir. Before they came back, he started checking the envelopes, removing monies and keeping it in his breast pocket. The pastor under the table could not take it anymore. He had to jump out. Say, ah! I said, ah! Just stay here. It's me and you today. It's me and you today. So that's how offering will have remained 530. These are, these are ordained people though. When they call leadership meetings, they are the ones that will come. So there are people like that today. If we try to interpret that thing, that scenario, what Eli's children were doing, 
to our own time. It is happening. Do not treat anything that belongs to the Lord with contempt. It is terrible. It is terrible. If you even sin, say sin against your neighbor or sin against yourself. I mean, you still hold God in high esteem. You understand? God can even still help you. But when you don't even, when you don't care alone, see, what's the, how do I say it in English? You don't have any regard, thank you. When you don't have any regard for God, how can he even help you? How? So God took the priesthood away from the generation of Eli and said, Samuel, it is you and I now. A little boy serving in the temple because his mother had asked of him from the Lord and had returned him to the Lord as she promised. God called Samuel. Samuel, he didn't even know the voice of God. He didn't know anything. It was still a lie that was putting him through. And the first message that God gave to Samuel, the first message when God called him, called him, he didn't know who was calling him, running back to a lie. My father, are you calling me? No, I'm not calling you. After the third time, Eli taught him that when next you hear the voice, say, speak. Your servant is listening. The Lord said to him, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever. Samson sinned. And his own life ended. But the children of Eli, they had contempt for the things of God. And God judged them forever. Their generation. For I told him, that is Eli, God is speaking, that I told Eli that I will judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God. And he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. It will never be atoned for. And so it happened. The priesthood was cut off from that lineage forever and ever. Are you thinking this morning? Praise the Lord. Sin strips a person of his or our inheritance in God. I have to rush now. My time is fast spent. Sin strips a person of his or our inheritance in God. Reuben was the firstborn. Firstborn of Isaac. Is it Isaac or Jacob? It's Jacob. Reuben was the firstborn of Jacob. And truly, he was, a, he was a great guy. If you read the story, he wasn't a bad guy. Of all his brothers, he may as well be the most honorable. Because when Joseph, the dreamer, I don't know who sent that one message, but that's for another day. I don't, I don't even have time. Some people know how to annoy somebody. When that one dreamed that uh, the stars and the moon and the sun, they are bound before him, started shouting. Hey, I dream a dream. Behold, I dream a dream. Behold, ah, is that annoying everybody? Imagine having a sibling. When you book collect your report card and you come home, and he comes first. I came first. I came first. I came first. 
what, what, what's your position? What's your percentage? I came first. You know how annoying that kind of sibling would be. It's like one of my children wants to be behaving like that, but I will, I will caution her anyway. Amen? Shouting, he had a dream, he had a dream. He had a dream, he had a dream. Oh, the brothers were annoyed. Even the father was pissed at some point. Are you saying that even me and your mother are bowing to you? Which one is the sun and the moon and the stars? Are you okay? So they decided to kill him, his brothers. Do you know it was Reuben that saved him? He was actually a good guy, sincerely. Sincerely, he wasn't bad. He was the one that convinced them that let us throw him into the pit so that, you know, he can suffer there and die there. And his intention was to go and save him afterwards. Even though his brothers, the other ones, still came back and did what was in their mind. But we thank God. Even later in their lives, when things became tough and they heard that there's food in Egypt, so let's go to Egypt to buy. You know all that story. When the father was skeptical about letting Benjamin go with them on the second trip, he had compassion on his father. Ah, said that this man has really suffered, truly. And he has lost his wife that he loved so much. Now, one of the children, this woman had only two children, one has been missing for, we don't even know, maybe he's alive or not. Now, this last one, he really loves him. I understand. He swore to his father by his own two sons. He used them as guarantee, is it guarantor or guarantee? But, sir, I will use my life to guard Benjamin. No, no harm will come to you, I promise. So he had a good heart as a person. But small sin, even though it's not small. So somebody that had a good record all the while doing well. And one time you just decide, I beg. Let me just flange you. There's nothing to flange you in the world. Though. There's nothing to enjoy you. All my life is this born again thing that I've been doing. I tried that thing once. When I entered the university, I was 18. I said to myself, I gave my life to Christ when I was 13. And I've been going to church every day. So now that I've come to the university, I don't want to be a church girl. I just want to be a free person and enjoy, just do things. I, I did not want to sin. Please, it's not the one that people will misquote me. That even Pastor Fumi, when she entered university, she go and sing. Uh -uh. I just didn't want to be a church girl, attending choir just three times a week, being in drama unit, being in prayer unit, volunteering in children's church. Let us leave all those things. After two weeks, I realized I was too bored. Because what do we now want to be doing? Go to lecture and come back and be looking. I quickly look for fellowship. Praise God. So some people will say that, okay, I've lived this life. Let me just try something new. God forbid, and then you are hooked. This, uh, this crack, a guy told the story. Youth, fell, youth pastor had studied abroad. He said that his roommates, when he was doing his master's abroad, they were from Philippines or something. Now these guys work with drugs. As in, as in, day in, day out, is their lives. He never for once tried drugs. Then he came back to Nigeria. 
had a heartbreak and somebody offered him crack. He said the first sip, abyss, inhale. What's the thing? That thing. Eh? <laughs> you people know what they call it. Eh? Bobby knows what, oh, eat. They call it eat. Ah, Bobby. I cover you with the blood of Jesus. He said it's eat, they call it. The first eat like this, the thing eats him. He said he could feel it as the eat was entering his brain, going through every wiring, every connection. He lost everything. God just saved him. He was addicted on the spot. First eat. Reuben was a great guy all along. And somehow, he went into his father's concubine. Great guy all along. And somehow, looked at that concubine. Now, this one is young now. What's there? He's even around my age. He's not the maid of Abegi. And that was how he lost his inheritance as the firstborn. Listen to the word of his father. Genesis 49, 3 to 4. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor. You see that I didn't lie against him. He was actually doing well. He was an honorable man. Excelling in power. But now, he says, turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel. Just like that. Turbulent as waters, you will no longer excel. For you went up onto your father's bed, onto my couch, and you defiled it. Just like that. Do you know that no prominent prophet, no judge, no ruler in Israel came from the tribe of Reuben. Search the histories of everybody, every prophet, every judge. You will not find one that says from the tribe of Reuben. From that moment on, Reuben became just a name on the list. Just a name on the list. When we call on the tribe in Israel, we will see the name there. Nothing, nothing else could be traced to that tribe. In the New Testament, I don't even think it was mentioned, except where the tribes of Israel was listed again in Revelations. Reuben, that's all. He had been doing well. He had actually been sowing. He had actually been living an honorable life. He had been giving to the Lord. He had been compassionate and kind, loving his neighbors as, as himself. He had refrained his hands from touching anything that, is, that does not belong to him. He has refrained his heart from coveting what is not his own. Just one mistake. And it was all taken away. Praise the Lord. But today is Easter. Today is Easter Sunday. And we know that sin is not the end of us. Sin is terrible as I have listed to you. 
Sin is bad as I have lifted, as I've listed to you. Because even if God is merciful, even though God is merciful and he will not allow us to be destroyed, there is the devil whose only job is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He doesn't forgive, he doesn't overlook. Kill, steal, destroy. Anywhere you allow him into, he steals, he kills, and he destroys. So God killed an animal in the garden and clothed Adam and Eve despite their sin. And he has done the same for us. Hallelujah. He has done the same for us. Because he looked at man and realized that we cannot save ourselves. And the consequence of sin is death. Somebody must die. Where sin is involved, blood must be shed. Someone must die. Blood must flow. And God said, it will be the blood of my son, Jesus. He said, it will be the son, the blood of my son, Jesus. So from the foundations of the earth, the lamb was slain. And just like pastor has taught us over and over again, all through the pages of the scripture, all through the pages of the new, of the Old Testament rather, we see Christ in his types and in shadows. We see Christ in types and in shadows. Because God had put a plan in place already. The plan was rolling out already for the salvation of mankind. Isaac was supposed to die, but he was replaced by a ram. That sacrifice that God must take, that blood that must be shed. And just like Isaac, Christ has come to die in our place. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. So redemption, redemption has been made available for us. There is a way out. Even if you have made mistakes, if you have touched things that you shouldn't touch, if you have a life that is that you tie to your neck, if you have been to places you shouldn't go, if you have eaten things that you shouldn't eat out of desperation, I hear things a lot, so many things. If you have been to places that you should, if you have done things that, ah, no, 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 no. It's okay. Because Christ has paid the price. And there is no sin too big, too recent, or too long ago that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash away. Hallelujah. So what does redemption bring for us? This redemption that I'm talking about, what is in it for you? By redemption, what do you gain? What is yours? By redemption, what can you hold on to? By redemption, what can you lay claim of? Number one is sonship. Hallelujah. 
through the sacrifice of Christ, you are now a son. Pastor emphasized greatly on sonship last Sunday. That was such a powerful message. If you have not listened to it, you should go and listen to it again. Pastor spoke a lot about sonship and everything that comes with it. That is what redemption has done for us. John chapter 1 verse 12. John chapter 1 verse 12. But to all who believed in Christ and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave them the right to become sons of God. He didn't give them the advice. He didn't give them the, the, the choice. He didn't say, okay, maybe or maybe not. He didn't say, consider becoming. You have a right. He didn't say you have to do more. All you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have received the right to become a son in the kingdom of God. Colossians 1, 15 to 18. The son is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1, 15 to 18. I believe I'm reading, I've been reading NIV. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn amongst the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. This is our brother being described here. Jesus became the first of many. And like Pastor Philip will say, in that son meant, how does he say it? My, my sonship or something is there. Christ is the first. There may be a billion after him. There may be three billion after him. But my number is somewhere there. Because I am a son. Hallelujah. Number two, redemption gives us access Redemption gives us access, unrestricted and unregulated, equal access to God. Ephesians 2, 11 to 19. Ah, it's a long scripture. <laughs> Praise God. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. He proposed, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself 
as the chief cornerstone. Praise God. Did you enjoy the scripture? Do you normally allow yourself to enjoy the scripture? It's beautiful. So we have access to God. We have access to him now through Christ Jesus. We no longer have to stay afar off. We no longer have to feel unworthy. We no longer have to feel like, oh, maybe if I were an Israelite, if, if only I was born into, into a pastor family, if only my father was, was a pastor. No, 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 no. All you have to do is believe in Christ Jesus and you are his son and you have access to the father of lights. Praise God. Number three, authority against Satan and his baggage and luggages. That's what redemption has brought for us. Authority against Satan. In the whole testament, people had no power against Satan. Even God's children, God had to protect them against Satan. And that is why when Israel, anytime they go against God and, you know, God just decides to leave them, <laughs> the devil takes over. It is never funny. Droughts, famine, captivity. There's nothing that will not happen to them. Daniel began to pray. He prayed. And he prayed, oh, he prayed, 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 fasted for how many days? By the time the angel finally got to him, he said the from the first day you began your fast, I was giving your answers. I was on my way. But the Prince of Pasha, he held me. For 21 days, I was struggling with this guy. God had to send Michael to come and stop him or to drag him away or to tie him up or something so that I can come to you. In this new age, you will just make a declaration. Five minutes prayer backed up with faith and you have what you ha you have what you desire praise god you have what you want because god has given us authority we have authority now so we can simply make bold declarations in the name of jesus and with faith that is all it takes hallelujah to jesus see the job that i spoke about he was very holy yet he could not say i the spirit of death. He could not say my household is preserved. He could not say my cattle, my sheep. He could not say anything. When I read the first few chapters of the, of the book of Job, said when he and his friends were talking things, I don't even understand what they are saying. Such deep pain. They couldn't help themselves. But now if you dare see the devil come close to you or anything that is yours, you stand in your place of authority as a believer and you speak. The Bible says that we should speak to the mountain and the mountain will move. Such authority. Do you understand? Like you are not saying that God, I plead with you. There's a mountain before me. Come in your power and your, and your strength. Come and remove it. No, you tell the mountain. I don't know how you get here, but relocate. Move. You speak to your children over their lives. You want to be sick and seeking anyhow. What's that? You speak. As a married person, 
you look at your spouse and you're feeling like maybe the spirit of wandering eyes is trying to wander around him. You speak. Why are you looking at that guy? Why are you looking at that person? Some of you don't know anything. You see that you look at one person. <laughs> you open the Psalms. That's where you start from. <laughs> okay, let's leave all those ones. You, 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 pr you pray the devil out. Your eyes are focused on the cross. This is not even about me. I have these discussions with Alufa all the time. Remove, it's not about you. You know, don't be like Samson, me, me, me. No, there are more important things. How you present your prayers. That's why when the mother of Samuel wanted a son, she prayed, prayed, prayed later. She said, okay, give me a son that I will give back to you. That was awesome. God was willing to send a prophet. And you too, you have a son that you are willing to give back. You, you want a son that you are willing to give back. That was such a pact. And it worked. And God was so pleased that she fulfilled a part of the bargain that God gave her five more children after Samuel. Hallelujah. So you speak on your marriage, on your relationship, on your children, your finances, everything. You speak because now you have authority. And why do you have authority? Because Jesus paid the price. Why can you boldly declare? Because Jesus paid the price. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe I've done justice to what I have written down. Can we bow our heads? Thank you. Can we bow our heads this morning and say, Lord, I thank you for my exalted position in Christ Jesus. I want you to say it with meaning. This is Easter Sunday. Let's take time to think about it. Say, Lord, I thank you for the sacrifice of Christ Jesus on Calvary. I thank you for the completed work that he has done. I thank you because he left no stone unturned. He left nothing untouched. And now I can boldly say that I am a child of God. That I am a son in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. That I belong to the Father. That he is mine and I am his. Are you praying? Are you thanking God? Say, Father, I thank you so much that I am not alone. I am not without a father. I am not without a family. I am not a vagabond. I am not roaming. But I am planted. And not just planted. I am planted in the kingdom. I am a citizen of heaven, blood-bought, sanctified. I've been brought back, redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. I've been brought back and redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And for this, I am eternally grateful. Say, Lord, help me. Help me. I want to live with the consciousness of Christ. 
I want to live with the consciousness of Calvary. I want to live with the consciousness of the calling that has been placed upon me by the reason of the sacrifice of Christ. I want to live with the consciousness of my ordination in the Lord. I don't want to be careless any longer. I don't want to be careless and carefree any longer. I don't want to double in and out of sin any longer. I want to live my life completely holy for you, my king. I want to live my life only for you, my lover, the owner of my soul, my redeemer, the one who didn't think I am too small for the sacrifice, the one who didn't think I am inconsequential for death on the cross. I want to live my life totally, completely for you, daily conscious, every day, every hour of every day and every minute. Lord, I want to make you proud. I really want to make you proud. I want to be an asset to the kingdom of God. I want to be a son indeed. Are you praying? I want to be a son indeed. I don't want to stay far away any longer. I don't want to stay far from you. I don't want to stay far from the throne of grace. I want to come closer and with boldness. I want to reach out to you, Lord. I want to touch you every day. I want to live my life for you. If you are here and you have not given your life to Christ Jesus, there is no better opportunity. There is no better service. There is no better day or time to do so. Because Jesus is waiting for you. He loves you. He wants you. He desires you. You were on his mind when he went to the cross. And the Bible says he's at the right hand of God the Father making intercessions for you. You are on his mind every day. He wants you to come. Can you raise up your hand if there's a person like that in this place? You have not given your life to Christ yet. You are not born again yet. Or you have given your life to Christ once or twice before. But now you have allowed the lust of this world to lure you away from the Father. And now you feel so far away, you can't feel the connection anymore. If there's a person like that, can you raise up your hand? If there's a person like that in this hall, can you raise up your hand? My voice is Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.